Welcome into another Daily Wager Extra podcast. I'm Doug Kazarian, joined this morning in a moment with Mackenzie Kramer. Uh, ESPN researcher extraordinaire. We're going to recap this week, obviously, like we normally do. Hope everyone had a fantastic holiday weekend. Obviously, some curveballs sent our way on Thanksgiving and then into the weekend. Um, but let's get this thing going with Mackenzie. And, you know, for the first time in a while, we have home teams actually responding and covering. I feel like every time we're on the show, we talk about the exact same two things, which are how well road teams have done and how well underdogs have done. Well, just for the second time all year, home teams are going to end with a winning record this week against the spread nine and five against the spread entering Monday night. The only other time they had a winning record was back in week seven. They're still only covering 43% of the time on the season, which is on track to be the worst mark in the Super Bowl era, which goes back to 1966. But for the first time in a long time, home teams finally having a good week. You know, a couple of them stand out and, you know, we can start with the Patriots because they are right now the toast of the town. Six straight wins and covers. This line steamed all the way up. I saw some seven and a halves before kickoff yesterday. And look, I I watched the whole game. I actually bet the Pats. Um, I'm not saying they were lucky to cover because they won by 23, but there were a couple huge plays. The running backs busted loose and then get the ball punched out. So it could have been a lot closer. And then, you know, Brable ended up having to go for it on fourth down on his own 24th and long. So it could have very easily been a, a non-cover, uh, maybe a victory. But they get there, and that's how they've been rolling along, and that sets up a big matchup next week with the Bills. But the Pats are just, you know, they've totally flipped the switch. I mean, the Patriots have now won six in a row, covering all of them with a plus 148-point differential, which is pretty wild to think about. So they're winning games by over 24 points per game in that span. It's the seventh highest point differential during a six-game win streak in the Super Bowl era. They move up to the two seed in the AFC uh, right now behind the Ravens after beating Tennessee. Tennessee had been 5-0 and outright as an underdog this season, but they just have so many injuries on offense. It's kind of like the Saints in that sense where it's like you want to bet on them because of the team, the record, the name, the coach, and all that, but they're just not the same team on paper with the Tennessee missing so many guys on offense right now. Yeah, A.J. Brown was out in addition to, of course, Derrick Henry. And, and that showed. I mean, look, they had some speed. They had a big touchdown run right before halftime um, and then a long run. But it's just, you know, the, the ball security and then Tannehill was limited. And the Patriots obviously have been flipped the switch on defense. We talked about it last week, playing more zone. Really impressive run right now with New England. We'll see the true measuring, true litmus test will be the Monday nighter against Buffalo. That game is uh, at the Ralph, and it's a three-point, you know, Buffalo line, which – very interesting. Uh, this line probably was could have been six a few weeks ago, but the uh, the Bills did um, bounce back. That was the nightcap on Thanksgiving. Just dominated the Saints, who were really limited, and no Camara. No, Trevor Simeon was well. He was Trevor Simeon, and uh, the Bills came to play, and they they really dominated a low scoring game. Uh, not much to report there. The other the Bears Lions was as advertised. Kind of a fun game, as ugly as it was. Lions remain winless as the Bears kick a field goal as time expires in the final seconds. And Detroit, 0-10-1. But uh, depending on what line you had, some people covered if they got the number earlier. But are we using two and a half as the closing number? Uh, but yeah, Yes, we are. Yeah. So uh, Bear, Lions still get the covers. So they're now 7-4 and four against the spread this year, even though they're 0-10-1 outright, which is just crazy to think about that. The Lions have been one of the more profitable teams in the NFL, even though they still haven't won a game. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I tweeted this and I just didn't, it was like kind of an incomplete tweet. I, I said basically saying, I don't know how people bet on the Lions. What I meant is I understand the numbers are numbers and you got to bet bad teams. I just couldn't watch them. 
and bet on it, right? Like I could bet on it. I just couldn't sweat out games because Dan Campbell's just in over his head. He's botching timeout. It's just a mess. I'm all for taking bad teams and like, um, you know, taking taking points. I mean, I know that's the name of the game. So I, what I said is I don't know how people bet on them and like sweat it out like that. That just doesn't feel like an enjoyable experience. Well, the flip side uh, the is other, laying points on the road with Andy Dalton, which is never a great, fun experience either. Uh, seriously. Uh, another uh, game on Thanksgiving, the big one, the most talked about one was the middle game. Cowboys go down 36-33. Raiders win it in overtime. This was maddening because I lost my survivor because of this game. But I, I just – there were so many things like the, the, the DPI at the overtime that set up the game winning field goal, I thought was bogus. There were a couple other plays, but you know, the Cowboys weren't just didn't, weren't sharp. They had no sense of urgency and the Raiders certainly did. And you weren't the only one who got knocked out in survivor from that pick in the circuit pool, which in that one, you have to pick a game on Thanksgiving, but 60% of the people that were still alive in that pool picked the Cowboys. So a lot of carnage in that pool and the Eliminator Challenge on ESPN.com, only 6% were on the Cowboys, but for somehow 36% were on the Bears. So I don't know. They were the most popular pick in ESPN. So that was kind of odd. But in the sharper pool, like Circa, 60% were on the Cowboys. So those were all knocked out. Big loss there for uh, Eliminator Challenge and uh, a rare ATS loss for the Cowboys as well. I know. It really bummed me out. I was on a teaser, too. I just, you know. The Raiders look, yeah, they came to play. I will give them credit. They look like they had folded a few the last couple of weeks, um, but they came to play. So let's go to yesterday's action. We just covered, you know, we talked about the Patriots already, but certainly some other games. I, I feel like this Bucks colts was a uh, pros versus Joes, and the Bucks really should not have won by seven. I think Fournette should have fallen down. But either way, um, you know, the squares got that cover, and I, I was on the Colts. Uh, I love the Colts and did not cover yeah, as you mentioned, Leonard Fournette scoring a touchdown at the end to uh, cover the three-point spread. That fluctuated between three and three and a half all week, so that was a really key touchdown from Fournette. One of four on the day for him. The Bucks' first ATS win on the road this year. They're now one and five against the spread on the road. They trailed by double digits at halftime in this one. It's Tom Brady's 32nd career double-digit comeback win, most by any quarterback since the NFL merger, as you would expect since he's the greatest quarterback of all time, and he's playing until his mid-40s, so he's got a bigger sample size and all that. Brady now up to 30 passing touchdowns on the year, three more than anybody else. First one to 30. He's second in yards behind Carr. He's the plus-250 MVP favorite. Seems like nobody wants to step up and win this MVP award. Tom Brady didn't exactly have a great game in this one, but uh, I still have to think that he's the favorite right now, rightfully at uh, plus 250 right now. And they get Atlanta next week. So uh, as somebody with a Tom Brady MVP ticket, I'm hoping that he can rack some stats up in that one. Yeah, I know. I have eight to one right now. I, 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 uh, I need to, I'm going to do my column later today. I really need to crunch sort of the schedule and the timing, everything. It's going to be a fascinating race and how it all plays out because there's so many sort of contenders and uh, thankfully, we we have the um, the Jonathan Taylor buzz of MVP only lasted a couple of days. Uh, we can put that one to bed like I talked about last week. Just he's not going to win. I just can't imagine it. Uh, another big game, uh, Packers, Rams, Stafford banged up. There was a report that he, and he looked limited, but this line kind of puzzled me. Green Bay is does not get the respect from the, the market as it as it should in my eyes. I tend to agree with you. I mean, and and I, I say that as somebody who was on the Rams in this game, just because I look at them on paper and I just look at them as the better team on paper. But, you know, the game is played on the field and Matt and uh, LaFleur now nine and zero outright and against the spread after a loss as the Packers head coach uh, Packers are getting two and a half in this one. 
Aaron Rodgers is a home dog. Five and one against the spread, four one and one outright, five one and one ATS if you include the playoffs. And the Packers improved the 10 and two against the spread in the season, the best mark in the NFL. Maybe they'll start to get some respect. As I said, I was, I was against them this week, which I regret doing, obviously, but though I got them at pick them. So I guess I got some closing line value on that one. And this was one of the first weeks where I've actually seen Sean McVay getting some criticism in the media. I mean, I know it came a lot on that running call they had on third and one late in the game where the clock was running. They had to kick a field goal uh, as the clock was running, which basically they weren't going to win anyway, but that basically ruined any chance they had of uh, getting those two scores. But McVay as an in-game coach is, is not quite as good as uh, his reputation. I've been writing about the Packers for a while and finally they're single digits. So they're plus 750 now to win it all. Uh, before they were like 10 to 111. I'm like, are we sleeping on this team? Like, what's going on? Of course, they lost last week to the Vikings. So good bounce back for the pack. You mentioned LaFleur and his record ATS off a loss. The other big game, and the Vikings beat the Packers last week, was this Minnesota San Francisco game. Yet another one score decision for Minnesota. 10 of their 11 games have been decided by one score, losing end again. And they've been, what? what is it, winning all of them by like at least seven or something like that? So they lose by eight here. Yeah, the 49ers have been on fire right now. I heard some people that were pretty sharp saying that uh, the Niners were a decent Super Bowl long shot at 50 to one last week. I, I saw 40 to one yesterday. I'm, I mean, they're still going to have to go on the road and likely win three games since they're definitely not going to win that division with the Cardinals having such a big lead and the Rams also ahead of them. But the 49ers are getting hot at the right time, though. We'll see the status of Debo Samuel going forward because he means so much to that team. But like you mentioned, every Vikings game seems to go down to the wire. This was actually one of the bigger margins of victory all season for them at eight. Uh, I had them plus three, so that didn't come through for me, though. I like the plus 100 on that one. Vikings dropped a five and two against the spread as an underdog just because usually when you get points with Minnesota, the way they play games, that's usually been a profitable bet this year, but not this week. And my favorite note entering the week, which uh, did not come through, too, was Kyle Shanahan is a home favorite. He had lost nine in a row outright, which was the longest streak by any coach in the Super Bowl era before this game. But San Francisco gets it done as a home favorite this time against Minnesota. Yeah, you mentioned some in-game decisions. The Vikings on second and one when the Niners are driving, trying to bleed the clock, um, committed an offsides, and, and really Shanahan should have declined it um, because second and one, I mean, it's just you're going to get that first down and then keep the drive going. So it's an extra down that you basically just – they basically conceded, right? Like when they come in the penalty. So um, that, you know, we, we learned that with Vrabel, I think, did that first and learned, you know, to kind of save your timeouts, just give up the second one. You're not going to stop them back to back typically. So that was an interesting sequence there. But then the uh, Niners missed the field goal anyway. Uh, that could have made it a two possession game. It's like 40 something yard. And then the Vikings tried to drive and then obviously uh, got turnover on down. So. That game was exciting for sure. Sunday night was interesting. It was a terrible played game in a lot of ways. End of the first half had multiple turnovers, pretty trash uh, you know, sequence there. But it was a Ravens-Browns rivalry game. Mark Jackson did some things. Baker Mayfield did not do some things. And the Ravens cover three, three and a half, depending on when you got it. Yeah, people uh, are ripping Baker Mayfield, and rightfully so after that game and his performance the last few weeks. He's clearly playing injured, not playing well at all right now, but he's also not getting a whole lot of help offensively either. They drop a lot of passes for him. Their, their receiving weapons are pretty bad as is. Uh, Jarvis Landry's been letting them down a couple times late, but uh, Lamar Jackson with four interceptions in this one, you would think that this might be a chance where maybe he can, he can stake a claim to the MVP. He's been getting some MVP hype this year, but... 
four right. interceptions is not going to help his case there. He's the first quarterback to win despite four interceptions since Andy Dalton back in 2013. And uh, the Ravens improved to five and one at home. They're the only team in the AFC that hasn't lost multiple times at home this year. And one cool Ravens note I saw from uh, Stats Perform on Twitter, they are the first team in uh, the NFL history to win a game with fewer than 14 points, fewer than 325 yards, and throwing at least four more interceptions than their opponent. They've been 0-275-1 and entering that game. Wow. So... This is not this is not a uh, a repeatable formula for the Ravens, but they were able to get it done <laughs> against the Cleveland team that's really struggling on offense. Couple surprising results, I would say the Bengals' dominance of the Steelers. Yes, they were favored. I knew some sharps were on Pittsburgh in the points, forty-one ten, and just complete domination. And that was a tricky line. It closed it at uh, three and a half, but. The Steelers' perception, I think, was improved a lot based on how they ended that Chargers game the week before. Because if they were getting blown out for most of that Chargers game, then they wake up in the fourth quarter. If they hadn't woken up in the fourth quarter in that game, that line might have been six, six and a half. I don't know what would have been, but it definitely would have been more than three and a half. So it turns out that that might have been a little bit of a mirage late in that game because Pittsburgh did not show up in this one. Um Bengals sweep Pittsburgh for the first time since 2009. It's our biggest win over the Steelers since 1989. And uh, Pittsburgh now, it doesn't get any easier for them. They're, they're home dogs next week against Baltimore. Big Ben's 8-2 and two outright as a home dog in his career. Already won once this year against Denver, but it's really hard to back that team. But And again, the way the Ravens have been playing, especially as favorites, it's hard to back them as a favorite. So that'll be an interesting game next week. Yeah, uh, so they went to gr- they grind one, um, and then the other really surprising result, honestly, was the Giants stopping the Eagles and winning outright, thirteen seven. I liked Philly in this. I thought the matchup of being able to run against this team and all this, but you know, we you know we learn the NFL. It's kind of you know think what you'll take what you last saw and think the opposite. Um, but the Giants, uh, it was a surprising win. I'll just put it that way. Well, like you said, this is like a this is exactly what you just said. This is take what you just saw and, and play the opposite because the Eagles have been flying high entering this game. People have been talking about, oh, maybe Jalen Hurts is the long term answer. They switched their offense to run the ball a lot more. Personally, I thought it was a little bit much for them to be, lay, be laying over a field goal on the road against the Giants. I don't think the Eagles are, are that much better than the Giants. You had to really think that uh, you had to really believe in, in how their running game has been succeeding over the last few weeks. And even still, I, I don't think they're the type of team to let to cover a big number against. And the Giants are a bad team, but they're not like a putrid team like Detroit or Jacksonville or Houston right. or the Jets. Um, so it seemed kind of like a sell high spot on the Eagles for me. So I was on the uh, Giants in this game. Giants are usually a bad pick as a home dog, uh, covering only 32% of the time in the last five years, but they've now won three in a row outright as a home dog. They beat the Panthers, they beat the Raiders, and uh, now they beat the Eagles. And Eagles are back in the stadium next week against the Jets as a seven-point favorite, so they get to stay in MetLife next week. That's interesting. Uh, Obviously, a short commute. They're not going to stay on the East Coast like we do, or stay on the road like we see some teams go from West Coast to East Coast. Niners, I think, have done that a couple times. But that is kind of just quirky that they play in the same stadium back-to-back weeks i thought carolina was pretty weak and the dolphins pounded them i got burned on a live line anybody who saw the end of the first half can chuckle dolphins have the ball they fumble carolina returns it and they're like with one second left they're in field goal territory and carolina kicks a field goal and i was laying 13 and a half i believe on a late live first half line just a ridiculous sequence i thought i'd share the bad beat there but 33 10 Dolphins starting to find their groove a little bit, looking a little bit like the team many expected entering the season. The one thing with the Dolphins, too, is that 
their four game win and cover streak. It coincides with the NFL trade deadline, because as you'll know, with the, with the Dolphins all season, it's been, are they going to trade for Deshaun Watson? Are they going to trade for Deshaun Watson? So since those Watson rumors have not really gone away, but kind of subsided since the trade deadline's over, that's when their winning streak happened. Now, obviously it also coincides with them playing a very easy schedule. And that easy schedule continues the next two games as they face the giants and their jets with a bye week in the middle uh, FPI only gives them a 4% chance to make the playoffs just because it doesn't really believe in the Dolphins being all that good right now. But, you know, Miami's on fire. It takes Brian Flores off the hot seat. We, we had all, we, everybody entering this year thought Flores was one of the better coaches in the NFL. Then after their slow start, the bloom comes off the rose entirely with Flores, but a big, big stretch for him to, uh, put, to maintain his job security. But Cam Newton in this game just... Five for 21 passing, the worst mark by any quarterback with at least 20 attempts since Joey Harrington uh, back in the day. So uh, it's never good to be in the same company, at least in an NFL uh, comparison with Joey Harrington. Cam Newton, four and 10 outright. His last 14 starts as a favorite, and he's lost, I believe, eight in a row as a favorite with the Panthers, too. So Cam uh, bloom off the roads with Cam Newton as well. So uh I, I saw I saw a lot of people on Carolina in this game. I, I I was on Carolina against Washington. They burned me pretty significantly in that one. But uh, Tua Tagovailoa played pretty well. He's he's uh, eighth in QBR in the season, despite the the Dolphins having one of the worst pass blocking lines in the NFL, ranking last in pass block win rate. So maybe Tua can be the long term answer there. But again, we'll see uh, once the Dolphins start playing tougher opponents. But again, that won't come uh, until a little bit a little bit later in the season. Yeah, I haven't understood this whole Cam Newton thing. I was on uh, Washington a week ago for Dog of the Day, and, you know, just not that sold on his being back, if you will. One final game to discuss, Broncos-Chargers. Denver looking a little bit like the team that started the year. They improved to 6-5. and five. Chargers had their opportunities. Herbert just kind of made some bad decisions, and give credit to the Denver defense for sure. First time in Justin Herbert's career, he throws two interceptions in the fourth quarter. And uh, Teddy covers 24 and seven against the spread as an underdog now. So Bridgewater it's continues ridiculous. to get it done in that role. Usually we like him as a road dog instead of a home dog, but still uh, taking him as a dog in, in any spot has uh, been profitable throughout his career. Denver now nine and two to the under this year. They've been one of the best under teams in the NFL this year. Chargers have failed to cover five of their last six games. Every time you think the Chargers are ready to take a step forward and, and claim first place in the AFC West or stake a claim for a playoff spot, they seem to fall flat in their face. Uh, so tough loss there for the Chargers. Yeah, I know. It is funny because they've been they have such upside and then they've had some big wins. Right. And then they do something like this. And it's like, gosh. You know, I, I worry about their, I, I, you know, I thought they'd had some interest like a while ago, 25 to one to win it all. But. Yeah, I think they're a team that's just not going to kind of put it together on a run of multiple wins. You mentioned the Niners are still 40 to 1 at Caesars. I've talked about the Colts to win the conference in the past at 30 to 1. Obviously, this win would have been big, but it did not get there. Um, some of those long shots, like even the Bengals at 30 to 1, ha- in- intrigues me. There, I mean, the AFC is wide open right now. It's hard to really have really that is. much faith in any one of these teams. I still believe in Buffalo the most. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to believe the Patriots are the, are the best team. It's still hard to think that after last year's performance and the way they looked earlier in the season with a rookie quarterback, that the Patriots are the best team in the AFC, but they'll have a chance to prove it on Monday. But I, I would still favor Buffalo in, uh, in uh, the AFC race. But one bet that I kind of like, which kind of speaks to the wide openness of the uh, of the AFC is, 
the NFCs pick them to win the uh, win the Super Bowl over the AFC, and and I kind of like the NFC at that price. I like the top few teams in the NFC over pretty much any team in the AFC. I think the Bills would be the one team that I would be concerned about about not getting good line value in that one. But if the Bills don't win it, I, I'll take pretty much any team in the NFC over the top uh, few teams in the AFC. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the Bills are the most, I think, steady team. But, I mean, losing at Jacksonville, I can't get that out of my head. And they've had some head-scratching performances. And we'll see. But they are plus 375 to win the conference. That is the favorite right now. Excuse me, the Chiefs are the favorite at plus 325. Nice win over Dallas. We're, we're going to learn a little bit more about the Chiefs. But I think books are uh, books are a little concerned right now, for sure. Totally agree. But yeah, Chiefs, I, I left the Chiefs out of that discussion as well. I mean, and, and Patrick Mahomes, too. I mean, we were both on Mahomes entering the year in the MVP yeah. conversation with everybody else falling on their face. You know, Mahomes, I believe he's eight to one right now. So our uh, five to one, six to one odds we got before the season, they're not looking so bad right now. He's, <laughs> he's fourth so in the bad, odds. Exactly. <laughs> Rodgers has climbed the range plus 550. But yeah, Brady clear favorite right now, plus 250, like you mentioned. Tonight, Seattle and Washington, a little bit of a high total, 47 and a half. We'll see if the Seahawks offense can actually get going. The offense has been the issue the last couple of weeks. We'll see if they can get back on track against a Washington defense. That, you know, obviously it can give up some points. Um, I feel like I, I, I got to watch this game and bet it live before I get involved. I have no idea what's going to show up for Seattle's offense. I'm not too uh, optimistic on them, even though Washington's defense is bad. But I can't, I can't also take Washington to pick. They're just not that strong. I, I don't trust Heineke. Well, this is one of those games. It's like you want you look at the line and you're like, oh, wow, Russell Wilson at Pickham against Washington. Like that looks like a great bet. And then the other hand, if you watch both of these teams play recently, you're like, wow, Washington. I don't have to lay points against this awful Seattle defense and this uh, Seattle offense that has really struggled recently. Like that looks like a great bet. So I, I'm staying off of this game entirely. Like like you said, it's really hard to figure out these two teams. The Seahawks are eight, one and one to the under this year. So they've been the best under team in the NFL. So if you do think the Seattle offense is, is going to continue to struggle, uh, their unders have been very good this year. Russell Wilson's 10 and two outright on, in his career on Monday night football, but only six and six against the spread, but Washington, Oh, and eight outright and ATS in its last eight Monday night football games. Now they did, they did win on a Monday last year after a game got pushed back due to the pandemic and COVID testing and, you know, and all that, but uh, that doesn't end the streak. So, Oh, and eight outright in its last eight Monday night football games uh, for Washington. So I, I mean, that's not a predictive trend at all, but it's still interesting to look at. It is. No, it's for sure. Funny. It's um, that was the Steelers, right? That was when the Steelers were 11 and zero, and they had a game on Monday afternoon. Uh, and it was like a, questionable spot at the end of the first half and uh, Steelers were up big and then that got him on the board I believe it was an Alex Smith led Washington game but that's correct either way um it'll be interesting to see how it pans out that that drought continues for Monday Night Football tonight that's going to do it for us in this edition of the Daily Wager Extra podcast appreciate everyone uh tuning in subscribing all that fun stuff of course we have the daily uh podcast uh in and out in less than 10 minutes and then the day of the show will be back Tuesday 6 p.m. Eastern. So looking forward to connect, reconnecting with everyone. I had the full week off. The guys returned this past Sunday morning, and we'll get back into the swing of things moving forward on TV starting tomorrow. 